Shepard was asking for it for three. Well, he felt it, didn't he? He was begging. Oh, what a play by Matt Mitchell. To Watson, sees a lane, takes it underneath. Montana three. This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation. What is up? This is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Trone. I am joined by Austin. Austin, how's it going? Trone, I'm doing good. It's been a, it's been a long, short week, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk some hoops today. It's always good to talk hoops. It's one of the best parts of the week, in my humble opinion. Make sure to uh, follow the show wherever you listen. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We are on Google, all the different places. Make sure to, to you know, subscribe and five stars and nice comments and all the good things. Um, you can find my work at Aztec Breakdown primarily on Twitter. I've also more recently been getting back into Instagram, trying to build that up a little bit. So find me there as well. You can find Austin uh, also at both those locations at It's Austin Bolton. Uh, you can find Carly at Car Car McGee. You can find Kyle at Call Me Kinslow, and you can find Jacob at Aztec Analytics. Man, we we have quite the squad, Austin. We do. It's, what a th- what a thing you've built the last couple of years. Like we've really built it's, this thing up. It's. I mean, I can't take too much credit. I just like said, yeah, you guys can join, and that's and you guys took it away and did this amazing stuff. Hey, um, if, if it's any, if it's anything from John Schaefer's podcast with us. Sometimes you just need lucky stuff to fall in your lap when it just says, hey, like, are you in? Yeah, I'm in. And it, and it yeah. turns out to be great. It's, it, it's, you know, the story of his entire career from single A baseball kind of through his stuff. And here at Aztec Breakdown, it's just a good lesson just to say yes. What what a great show that was, too. And I've, I've spoken with John before. I think I was a guest on one of his shows that I, I don't think he does anymore, to the best of my knowledge. But he was doing it for a while. Um and he just seems like a very nice guy, a pretty genuine guy. Um, what a great show to have him on. If you haven't yet, go listen to the show Austin did with with John Schaefer. It was a great listen. It was. I, I will say, I'm, I'm working on my 10,000 hours of podcasting here. And out of all the ones I've produced so far, I'm very proud of that one we've done so far. That worked out really well. And he's just such a good guy and he has good stories. How much yeah. did you love the Kobe stuff? I know um, you're Kobe. I, I mean... I mean, you know me. You know I'm a Laker guy. I'm a Kobe guy. So I, I really liked the Kobe stuff for sure. Anything anything Kobe, I pretty much devour um, for better or worse. Sometimes it's it's probably not the healthiest like parasocial relationship, but it is what it is. Hey, I remember I remember the exact spot I was when I heard the news. I'm sure you're the same. We're just same. part of that generation, yep. you know? Yep. Yep. Announcements real quick. Um not the best timing on our end, but media days are starting this week for basketball. I think the women's hoops started today and the men's hoops are sometime later in the week. Austin, is there anything specific you're looking forward to in terms of media days? Not really. I'd be interested if uh, Gloria Navarez is going to speak just to see if she kind of sheds any light on kind of mm-hmm. macro news. But, you know, these things are just... Sound, you know, just quick sound bites, a lot of canned answers, and you got to read between the lines. But I would be interested to see what uh, Gloria Navarez has to say. Yeah, that's a good point. I always forget that, like, the commissioners are there. I always just think of the coaches and the players. And yeah, it is usually a lot of like pre prepared things. I do sometimes wonder, like, how much time they spend 
going over like these are the questions that are probably going to be asked and this is what you should say to them um it's probably more than we would ever think or give them credit for but oh for sure they they definitely have media the training. they have media yeah. consultants that help train them up like one thousand percent it is yeah. funny that you speak of the, the commissioner being there. You know who's in hiding is George Klifkov in the Pac-12. He's not showing his face at their Pac-12 media day, which is so funny and comical. And just, if it's not like a personification of just the lack of leadership in that place, it's it's that. I think he's still up in Montana. I should go see if I can find him. Because... <laughs> is it like Bigfoot out in the woods Montana's in Montana? Going to, going, to find, going to find George Klifkov? <laughs> it's such a small state, you know. You can just go around the corner and there he is, obviously. Uh, yeah. Well, if I okay. learned anything from Yellowstone, is you murder all your people in Wyoming and then come back oh over to Montana. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, I have you watched like the whole series? I, I, it jumped the shark for me. I think we stopped. I think I stopped in like season three. I think I stopped on like episode two. I something about it, I just couldn't get into it. Um, it's too close to home. It's like a. It's like there's this banking maybe. show on HBO. There's this banking show on HBO called Industry. And it was like watching my office, like in real life. And I was like, I'm not doing this. Like this show is supposed to be awesome, but this is too close to home to me. Like I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. That could be, it was, it was kind of nice because a lot of the scenes um, were filmed here, like in Missoula where I live. Right. Um, you could like drive through downtown and see like the film crews and stuff when they were, when they were filming them and, and things like that. So it was like, that's kind of cool. And I'm sure if I watched more of the show, I could watch and recognize like, Hey, I know exactly where that is. Uh, but then I watched the show and it, it, I mean, I could give it another chance. It seems to be super popular. And if I gave it another chance, maybe I'd like it more, but I turned on, and I was like, I, I just don't know if it's for me. So. Hey, I don't blame you. Anyways, yeah. this isn't a TV pod, although no. I would love to do a TV no. pod someday. Um, let's, what, what do we got here? Are we going to go Aztecs and the pros first? Aztecs and the pros, relatively new segment, only done it once before. Um, Aztecs and the pros by listener request. We're looking at four players today. The reason it's four is because, uh, all four of these players play in Germany. So there's that, there's that common thread and three of them play in the same league i believe do not quote me on this because i am learning a lot of this on the fly but i believe there are three separate leagues in germany um and aside from relative skill level i don't know what separates them i don't know if it's if it's like the nba and the g league where one is like a developmental league for the other ones i you know i I don't know how it works um other than that one has the best players and then there's like a middle league and then there's a lower league so in the top league in Germany, it's, it's just, I think it's just the German basketball league, the German BBL. Uh, we got three players. One, we'll start with Matt Bradley. Uh, in his latest game, he plays for a team called the Rostock Seawolves, which is kind of a cool name, if you ask me. Great name. Uh, need a, need yeah. a Seawolves jersey, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In his latest game, he scored... 21 points, recorded four rebounds, and got five assists. Uh, That was back on the 1st of October. They've played a couple games since then, the Seawolves, and he hasn't played in either of them, so I don't know uh, what the deal is there. It is is very hard to find, like, up-to-date information on the little things. Like, is he hurt, or, like, is there just a rotation thing? Um, It's hard to find that stuff, especially 
in English. In English. It's, <laughs> it's, it's German. And, and I know I took two years of German in high school, but that was a long time ago and it was not enough. So there's that. In in the three games he has played, Bradley's averaging 12 points, three rebounds, and two assists. And the Seawolves, uh, when I looked earlier today, I think they were in eighth or ninth place out of 16 teams in the league. So right in the middle of the pack, Bradley is coming off of the bench. Um, had that huge game and hasn't played since for whatever reason. There is also in that league, Terrell Gomez, uh, who has played in four of their games out of the five that they've had. He's averaging six points and a couple assists each game. He's coming off the bench as well. Um, his team, I'm trying to remember the name. I should have written it down. It's the, the, like the Hamsburg Towers is the mascot. Not nearly as cool as the Sea Wolves, but not everybody can be as cool as the Sea Wolves. Uh, they're in like the the lower end of the standings. I think they were 14th out of the 16 teams. Um, and then the last player in that high league is Yanni Wetzel, who his team has played five games. He's only played in one game so far. It was their very first game of the season. He came off the bench. I think he had nine or 10 minutes. He scored six points and had two rebounds. Uh, his team is currently in fourth place in the league. Um, none of these placements really mean anything. I don't. I don't think at this early point in the season, right? You, like the Lakers last year went to the Western Conference Championship, but they started, I think, two and ten on the season. So, you know, I wouldn't read too much into how good the teams are, but that's where they are at the moment. Um, I did want to point out because those three teams are in the same league. If anyone's interested, you can watch some of these players play each other. Uh, so you can watch Matt Bradley play Terrell Gomez. They got two games against each other, one on January 13th and one on February 10th. And the February 10th game is at 11 a.m. Pacific time on a Saturday. So if you know how to get access to German television, that would be the one to watch, I think. Uh, Matt Bradley will play Yanni Wetzel's team, Alba Berlin, on March 10th. And Yanni Wetzel will play Terrell Gomez's team once again an 11 a.m. game Pacific time on a Sunday, March 31st. So if you want to watch any of those guys play each other, those would be probably the best times to do it. And then the last player in Germany blew up on Twitter. I think it was earlier this week or maybe over the weekend. Adam Seiko is in the middle league. Uh, he's in he's in the German Pro League A, I think is like what it's called. And then there's a Pro League B. He's in A, so he's in the middle league uh, over in Germany. He is starting for his team. He's not coming off the bench. He's a starter. And he blew up on Twitter because he had a game where he shot 5 of 10 from distance and had 15 points in the game. So he was a flamethrower. He's averaging 8 points and a rebound per game in the three games that he's played. Those are those are the updates. They probably won't always be four players, but they were just all in Germany, so it made sense to go over all of them. I will say, if you're going to go to an international trip during basketball season, you want to see some Aztecs. Germany's probably your choice. But just a couple quick fun tidbits about the basketball Bundesliga, so the Premier League. So it's a soccer style basketball league. So the Bundesliga, which you know Yanni, Matt, and Trell Gomez are in, that's the Premier League. And then Adam Seiko is in the pro A, so that's the second tier. But if Adam Seiko's team were to win, they'll get bumped up to the Bundesliga. And then Yanni's team on Alba Berlin is easily the best team out of the group as they actually qualified for the Euroleague. So 
every country like Spain, Germany, Turkey, so on and so forth has their country league. And then the best teams of those go on to the Euro league where it's kind of like a premier league slash champions league. But I mean, Yanni plays some sick teams. I mean, they play Bayern Munich, they play AS Monaco, they play Valencia, they play Real Madrid, Barcelona, like big time teams in the Euro league that, that all come together all across Europe. So Yanni's got some big games. I mean, that's probably the Yanni's. That's probably the second best overall league in the world, and, and Yanni gets to participate in that with Alba Berlin, which is pretty cool. That's really cool. Does that so? Would that be like if if there were to be a North American equivalent? Would that be like if you know the Lakers are one of the best teams in the NBA, and they would then play against like one of the best teams in Mexico? Am I under like? Would that be the equivalency? If yeah, I think it's. I think the closest it's, comp is the Champions League in soccer, where you get like right, the top four English teams. There, so. Yeah, so you get the top four English teams, you get the top four Spanish teams, but and it's because they're more equal on equal mm-hmm. footing. Whereas if like the NBA, the Mexican teams aren't even close on the equal footing, but it's just like, yeah, the best teams in a region will play each other. It's that team, and it's not like the best players from that country, right? Where that would no, be more like no, no, no. It's that okay. that team gets That's elevated really cool. into it, and then you have to re-qualify every year. That's really cool. I actually really like that. I might need to start following European basketball between. It's a lot. The, the the game is way. Really the FIBA rules are way better because because you can't call timeouts after. You can only call timeouts on out of bounds plays. You can't like call one like after a made basket. So the flow is better. And, and like you can swat shots off that are on the rim. So that's not goaltending. So if the ball is sitting on the rim, you can actually block it out of there. And that that's not goaltending. And there's a lot of just like, you know, they don't call flops. Like if you flop, they just are like, good luck, pal. Um, and it's just, it's just a way better flow to the games than NBA games, actually. That's that's pretty cool. I've never liked Also, I, I think those German games are on YouTube also because I clicked into Matt's game. I was just kind of like going through my Twitter feed and it said it was on YouTube and it was just like streaming through their YouTube channel. So I think they're pretty easy to get a hold of. Oh, that's cool. See, I was trying to find them on YouTube earlier so I could put some clips on and all I could find was like highlights. So may not be everyone, but I I think they do produce some games for just like like their YouTube channel. Some of the bigger ones, maybe. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay, let's get into the main chunk of the episode here. Today, we have a mailbag. So it was short notice. I apologize for that, but I put out on Twitter, just sending out people can send in their questions. And we did get a couple. We were hoping to do something else, and there were some prerequisites we wanted that didn't get I mean, just blame, okay. blame, blame Ken Pomeroy. It's all his fault. Blame, if his stuff was out Ken already. Pomeroy. So... We got a couple questions. Austin, I don't know if you got any on your end that I haven't seen yet, but we have a couple that we're going to run through. First one here uh, is something I've, I've been seeing a lot of on Twitter, so I was happy that, that it came up. There's been some debate about where does Jaden Ledee best fit on, on the team? Is it as like a power forward or a center? And I kind of added... After the fact, like, does it even matter where his best fit is? So, Austin, I want to I wanna throw it to you. You're the coach of the team, right? Are you trying to get Ladie to play power forward for this team or center for this team? I don't think it matters. The defense, it matters more on defense than offense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think unless Demarche gets major minutes or Miles Heidi gets major minutes, 
it's not going to really matter because he could play the four or five, whatever, with Elijah. And they're just going to, they're going to switch spots. And I, I don't see really a world where those two guys are on the floor where they play a three, two, like they did last year. It will be a four, one or a five out. So it's going to be just kind of cycling guys through the paint on cuts and pick and rolls and things like that to where you're just not going to, there's not going to be just a lot of like straight back to the basket on the block. So from an offensive perspective, it's kind of, it's positionless this year, especially at those bigger spots on defense. Man, I, I want to say I'd rather see him at the four to guard some of the more athletic guys. And then you put, try to put mm-hmm. Saunders on the five, or you maybe get a little miles mm-hmm. Heidi in there on those bigger guys, but that's tough. And it's just, we don't, it's, it's so hard to say, cause we don't know what tweaks they're making on defense, but if it was just say, just like you have a classic rim protector or whatever, I think I would rather have the D playing the four in that position to have them on the more athletic guy. And then miles, Heidi protecting the rim or Elijah protecting the rim. And, you know, I think Elijah's probably a better rebounder. I mean, at least, his, at least the scouting report was that my Elijah was a better rebounder. So I think from that perspective, I'd rather have Ladee in the, at the four spot on the defensive side. What do you, what do you feel? What do you think? Four or five for Jane Ladee? I'm, pretty much the exact opposite honestly um i think you're right i think ultimately it doesn't really matter especially on the offensive side i think you know one i think one of the things people cling to is that when he transferred to san diego state there was something made about like he wants to be able to show off his offensive versatility and people don't think of offensive offensive versatility when they think of centers right that you think of like back to the basket rim protectors especially at san diego state right we haven't really had very versatile centers at san diego state outside of yanni wetzel and even him most of his opportunities were post-ups um so i i think i think that's part of it and and my counter to that offensively would be you know just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it can't happen right you can play ladie technically at the five but still have him be on the perimeter or at the elbow or doing all sorts of different things to show off his versatility um defensively is a different story and i i worry about if he's at the four i worry a little bit about his foot speed um he he calmed some of that fear last year when they would have him like switch when mensa was out and he was better at that than i thought he would be so that, you know, to his credit, there's that. But I would worry about his foot speed guarding some of the more athletic guys. Um, and it's it's hard to know with, you know, who's the better rebounder because we haven't seen what Elijah can do because he played 70 minutes or 90 minutes or something like that last year. Um, but I feel like one of Ladie's greatest qualities is is his rebounding. And every article that Ziegler comes out with talks about how, like, everybody tries to box him out and sometimes he still gets the rebound. And so I want to keep him defensively as close to the basket as possible. I don't want to have him closing out on other like stretch fours and doing all those things, especially when you have a guy like Jay Powell who moves the way he does. Right. I think if you put Liddy at the five, it lets Jay Powell do more of his stuff at the four. Um, so I'd I'd want to keep him at the five. It's it's not ideal to have him banging against other fives the whole game either, but I I just think that's a slightly better than having him out on the perimeter chasing guys. Ultimately, ultimately I don't think it matters that much because 
you get nine guys, right? It's very rare to see a team go 10 deep. So you get nine guys, eight of them are pretty much locked in. The ninth spot is probably between Demarche Johnson and Miles Heidi. So even if they're both good enough to play 20 minutes a game at center to play the whole game, that's 10 guys at that point. That's probably not going to happen. And so unless you're playing one of them 30 minutes, which also doesn't seem likely, Liddy's going to get the vast majority of his time at center anyways. I think just just because there isn't anybody else to do it. I think the Aztecs are in a weird dichotomy for San Diego State specifically is that he could get a lot of time at the five. How much are the, how much are the coaches willing to give up on defense to have – Reese Waters and Micah Parrish play at the same time, which we know is coming. They've talked about that. The fact that they're, that lineup is playing, mm-hmm. how much are they willing to play it? And how much, you know, how much do they lose on defense by playing that lineup? Even if you have a Micah Parrish or a Reese Waters on a four, like there's definitely some weight issues there. Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. being, being there's, you know, Micah Parrish specifically is a skinny guy. Like, yeah, you know, how much are they willing to give him on the defensive side of the ball? So he can, he can play the five. The one thing that I am just so excited about on that particular lineup, though, is from an offensive perspective, it, it could be as good as anything we've seen since 2020. And they should absolutely just spam the Lamont, Jane Ladee pick and roll and set up three shooters on the outside. Like that, yep. that should be unstoppable. And it's the Yanni Malachi play. There's no reason that Lamont and Jaden Ladee can't be a better version of that, which is crazy to think from that season. But that's absolutely the case. And the way that he can score at all three levels by picking and popping, kind of picking a soft roll to the elbow or the hard roll all the way to the basket. There's just so many options there. And you just have the other guys kind of sprinkled around the three-point line. That's going to be a weapon that they have to use a lot. And if they kind of accept the fact that, hey, our defensive principles will still be sound, but we just aren't going to be as good because we don't have Nathan Mensah back there, but kind of lean into the offensive side, I think that could lead to a real explosion and I don't think the defense, I mean, maybe they'll go from like fourth to like 40th, but their offense could just take this huge jump to where they're still getting a lot of wins. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, and, and on top of that, the other thing, like Malachi and Yanni were great. Absolutely. And, and one other thing that made that play so deadly was they had the hammer screen on the weak side where they would have, you have like Jordan Shackle out at the free throw line extended and you have Matt Mitchell on the, on the weak side corner. So the side furthest away from the ball, the guy who's guarding Matt Mitchell, it's his responsibility to help on the roll man, right? So that's Yanni. When he does that, Mitchell then goes and sets a screen on Jordan Shackle's guy, meaning Jordan Shackle then goes off the screen into the corner. It's hard to explain the stuff over audio. So I apologize, but he goes to the corner and there's nobody to help cover him because his guy's getting screened and the guy that's supposed to help on that screen is covering Yanni. So Jordan Shackle is wide open in the corner for a three. And you can do very similar things with Reese Man. Waters, with Micah Parrish, with Micah Parrish loves like left handed. Er, notably, you know, with, with Micah notably loves left handed, left sided corner threes. That's a perfect mm-hmm. play for those guys. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he loves that shot. That's a high quality shot for him. And I think you're, I think you're spot on. It's yeah. And I, I think if, if it, it's definitely going to be like an identity thing because the team is built on defense and I don't think the coaches ever fully want to give that up, but it's, it's like you said, how much, 
how much are they going to say is acceptable if they drop to 30th, if they drop to 40th, like, is that okay? Because of the, the extra offense they're getting to help balance that out. That will be an interesting dichotomy to have going on for sure. But, you know, you could also just have those punches too, right? Like your sixth man comes off, hypothetically speaking, say it's Mike, Michael Parrish, Reese Waters, one of the two, right? Sure. And then you have this stretch of just like your offensive punch, boom, get a big lead. And then you put your best defensive lineup in and then, you know, there's, there's ways to be versatile there to take advantage of both, where if you get a big lead, then you can, you know, put your better defenders in to kind of close the half out or whatever. Um, they have a lot of options, which... Sometimes the, the the coaches can be guilty of playing with their food a little bit and kind of messing around too much until they figure something out later in the season. But we're going to see some weird stuff early on and just, just to see what clicks. I'm trying to look up really quickly. Um, so in the six years, Brian Dutcher has been a coach. Five of them, their adjusted defensive rating on Ken Palm has been 30th or better in the nation. The one outlier, they were 78th and that was 2019 when he was bringing in four freshmen. Um, they started that year starting Jalen McDaniels at center, which for all the things Jalen McDaniels was good at, he wasn't a defensive center, right? It's not a guy you build a defense around. So, um, that didn't help. Nathan Mensa did get in eventually like halfway through the season started starting, but even then he's a freshman, right? And so there's that happening. So, it seems like a relatively safe bet that they can stay, even if not top 30, like top 40 for sure on defense. And then last year, their offense was 75th. Can they bump that up 30 spots up to 45th? I think that's reasonable. I think that's re- And that's still a really good 100%. team at that point. 100%. I think they're just going to, I think they got to play more for steals this year. They got a lot of athletic guys that can play in the wing. Like as long as they know when to pick their spots, if Lamont's on the weak side or whatever, to, kind of jump out and get one Darian jump out and get one Micah jump out all those guys are capable to play in the passing lanes in a way that they can be aggressive and then by protecting the paint really by just taking charges and getting set outside the restricted zone you know those guys say they miss say they miss being aggressive on a pass it's about the the rotation on the help side they sit there outside the restricted zone take the charge that's how you're protecting the rim yeah yeah and I mean, these co- like they know how to coach defense, right? They know all the different things. Literally, every coach on the staff is a defensive specialist. The only exception might be Brian Dutcher, and it's not because he doesn't know defense; it's because he's like a recruiting specialist, right? That would be the only thing. Um, he's the C- like, he's the CEO at this point. Like, really, that's what he right? Is. He's Chris Acker ran defenses everywhere he went until San Diego State, and just because San Diego State already had Coach Velasquez to coach the defense Acker is coaching the offense. Right. And which isn't even unheard of because he knows how defenses work. And so he's like, he can be in there and when he's designing stuff, be like, this is how I would guard that. So what's the next move to like, what would I hate having happen to me if this is my coverage? Right. So literally everybody's a defensive specialist on this coaching staff. I think they'll be able to figure it out. Yeah. I'm not worried. They get the benefit. I think they get the benefit of the doubt. They get a lot of benefits of the doubt this year. Pretty much every mm-hmm. benefit of the doubt. But de- mm-hmm. the defense one is number one on that list. <laughs> okay, Austin. We keep seeing more and more top 25 rankings come out. I think John Fanta just released one earlier today where the Aztecs were 12. Where do you have the Aztecs ranked in the preseason? I think that's pretty fair. 12, kind of that 12 to 15 cool. range. I mean... I'm just looking at John Fantas here. It's Kansas, Duke, 
Purdue, Michigan State, Marquette, Creighton. Creighton, Creighton reloaded. I mean, they got they got um, Ashworth plus they got Kalkbrenner back. Um, Houston, UConn, Arkansas, Miami, then FAU. I mean, personally, I'd probably flip us up to eleven. I mean, we beat FAU. The only difference is, is they got every single person back. FAU got every everybody back, and then you know, losing Keyshot and losing Nathan. Although I think everybody had, like, man, I just wish they were five percent better at offense when watching them. I don't think it should. Be, it's going to be very understated how much the team really misses them on the defensive side of the ball, and it's going to. It's we keep talking about how much difference it's going to look. I don't think people really understand like how much different it's going to look next year. And they got, and then there's also the Kishad, the Kishad size leadership hole that someone's got to fill. You know, that's a, that's a big deal. So as long as they can, they'll figure, you know, the defensive side, I think they'll figure out the leadership stuff. I mean, that's obviously cooking right now, but I'll be really interesting to, it'll be really interesting to see who kind of jumps and pops up into that Kishad role. You know, is it AG from the coaches side where he's kind of filling that spot or, you know, which player is going to, is going to fill that Keyshawn size leadership hole. Yeah. I mean, I think it has to be a player, right? Like AG, AG's in a weird spot because he was just a player last year. So a lot of people we've talked about before are still going to kind of sort of see him as a player, but I think it has to be a player. I mean, Lamont Butler would be the obvious choice from like his role on the team, but I I don't know his personality very much. I don't know if that's, if that's something he's going to, do in that way or not i don't know it'd be interesting to see if these guys all just all of a sudden became kind of silent assassins because lamont like good good like roar when he hit the shot against fau because obviously mm-hmm. duh but like ladie very very stoic tramel kind of that dog very stoic mm-hmm. you, you, micah Parrish, the same thing i'd be interested to see if like if it is lamont and they all just kind of rally around this like business silent assassin rip your heart out and we're not even going to say anything to your face like that seems like if i was just from watching these guys on tv and being at the games that's what i would think the personality of this team is going to be because of how the top players are just kind of quiet and like they're quiet on the floor they let their play do the talking i don't i don't know where the big burst of personality is going to come from like like you shot about last year yeah yeah and you know what? I kind of think those silent leaders are are overlooked to a certain extent. I think I said that in our draft episode. Like that was one of the things I liked about Trey Kell was he just kind of did his business and led by example, and that's what it was. Um, yeah, that can be that can be overrated. Do you? I I want to follow up. You said twelfth is fair. Do you think it's fair based on like the Aztecs were just in the final four? So that's a great show of respect. Or is it is it more like you think they will be twelfth at the end of the year? This is a top ten team. I am absurdly confident about that. I we've said this all over the place too. The year that Lamont and Jane Ledee are going to have being a just dynamic duo and just spamming that pick and roll, pick and whatever, I think is going to be unstoppable. And Lamont just has all this confidence coming out of the NBA combine, all the NBA stuff. Darian had the biggest game of his life against the one seed. There's so much there to keep propelling them forward where, although they did lose some really big pieces, the foundation is there and that's what they, that's what they're going for. That's what the coaching staff has always said. Like we have these program guys, 
I mean, it's crazy. Jaden Ledee, this is his third year, you know, because yep. he redshirted that first year. Yep. Like, there are some real impact guys that have been here a long time that are just, I just, I really think they have the experience in the big time. They're not going to let, you know, they had tumultuous times last season. They're not going to let that kind of stuff rattle them. Like, and they just have the experience to continue on the ascent. And if the, if this team isn't a four seed or better, I would be shocked. I'd be truly shocked. I think this team is going to be very good. It's high praise from Austin Bolton. I, I, I mean, should I, I, I mean, know. I know, I know they're just college I, kids and probably should downplay a little bit. I just, <laughs> I feel very strongly that these guys are, these guys could be just as good or as bad, you know, maybe, maybe not make it to the final game. Like that's fair. Like sure. the tournament is a yeah. crapshoot, but mm-hmm. I think this team is, this team is very going to be very, very good. I think so in, in Ken Palm last year, they finished 14th in the nation, um, which would support if they're as good this year or better than they were last year, that would be right about top 10. Absolutely. The year before that they were 25th, which is like really surprising when you think about how they weren't great on offense the year before, but they were 25th in Ken Palm, which just speaks to how good the defense was. I kind of think when I look at those, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced that this team is going to be better on the, on the overall sense. I don't think they will be much worse, but I think somewhere between like 10 and 20 seems, seems fair to me, which isn't, which isn't a huge dip at all. It's still right about as good, but it's, it's maybe a slight dip just because so much is being lost on defense and it's, it's yet to be seen kind of, I mean, you were just saying, right. How much are they going to be, to be willing to give up on the defense to get that extra offense? Um, I think that's where the concern comes in for me. I think we'll find out pretty quickly how much they gelled from last year with that BYU game in the second game. Like, and it's yeah. okay if they lose it, like they can still build for mm-hmm. the rest of the season. Like it is okay if they lose in pro, but that is a it's miserable okay. place to play. But <laughs> if they're gelling and they look really good there, I mean, that's a pretty good, I think that that would be a very positive sign that they could be a top 10 team or, team or better. And if they struggle, it doesn't mean that they can't get there. It just means they're, they have more to work on than, than, than I personally think where they where I just, if I were to guess, think where they're at right now. Both outcomes yeah. are reasonable, though. Both outcomes are yeah. totally, totally reasonable. Mm-hmm. I mean, they aren't that far apart, all things, all things considered. Out of 360-some-odd teams, yeah. we have at most like a 10-spot difference. It's not, it's not huge. Um, the 2020 team, that's kind of when they knew that they could be something special is when they beat BYU on the road. So to that point, for sure. I think this team has a lot of, a lot of that team. With to them, right? If you have Lamont in the Malachi spot, Darian in the KJ Fagan spot, Reese and Micah in the Mitchell Shackle spot, mm-hmm. and then Ladie mm-hmm. at the at the Yanni spot, and just kind of that second half of the team after Nathan went out with his health health scare, like I think that's a pretty comparable team to compare them to, or just like from it's, like a personnel standpoint, because usually yeah. there's such a big rim protector that the Aztecs have that you go throughout the history of the Aztecs, like you got to have a big rim protector. Mm-hmm. This team does it and that team did it. And I think they can run a lot of the same stuff. It's the, the tricky part about it is that those all at the end of the year, if those are all good comparisons, I don't think any of us are going to be surprised. I think the one difference is that there were far less unknowns on that team 
um the the the, you had the core of like matt mitchell and jordan shackle who we knew were were solid they they hadn't been as good as they would be that year yet but we knew they were solid right we knew malachi flynn coming in was going to be a beast um yanni i mean we knew he would be good we didn't know he'd be that good but we knew we knew he would be good same thing with like kj right so there was there was a higher baseline i think for that team whereas this year i think there's a lot more questions definitely relying on a lot more young guys this year definitely the back end of this roster there's more young guys lamont can hit that level I I think it's yet to see if he will hit that level, right? I like he hasn't shown that level yet. I think Malachi had shown more of that before he came to SDSU than Lamont has shown to this point, right? Especially I, I on think, the offensive side. I think if you actually kind of flip Malachi and Yanni with like the domination aspect and flip that, whereas like yes, Lamont's in the Yanni camp. In the Malachi camp, right? But he's kind of the second second person to Jaden being kind of the, the, the main see. guy, but they mm-hmm. still run the same stuff. That is sure. uber confusing. But like where no, like those two kind of fill the same role, but Jaden's more of the alpha in that mm-hmm. out of the out of those two, and Jaden is the one that's kind of dominating games, whereas Lamont's the setup or kind of that the Robin in that situation. Yeah. Um you know, that'd be an interesting thing because I think because like Malachi Flynn, Jaden Ledee was this red shirt that everybody was like, Oh my god, when this guy comes, it's over. Mm-hmm. It was the same exact it was the same storyline as Malachi. And we didn't quite get it last year because he came off the bench. And I just I have this feeling deep in my soul that that what we kind of thought last year is just gonna parlay into this year because he's his usage rate is gonna be so much higher. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, that's that, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way of like, it, this is similar, but Jaden is the number like one inverted. guy instead of Malachi being the number one guy. That's a really good point. And don't worry to all the Lamont fans and people that listen that love Lamont. We all love Lamont. We, I think Lamont's yeah. going to have a crazy, they're, I think both of those guys are just going to have a crazy year. Mm-hmm. It could be the first time that we could send two aspects to the NBA in the same season. Like that's how good of a year I think both those guys can have. What a fantastic, I mean, aside from winning a championship or like another final four run, like it's hard to beat, it would, it would be hard to beat that at the end of the season, like sending multiple guys to the NBA getting drafted in the same year. It would, I mean, we got two guys on the Raptors. That was great. I I I have a, I love the NBA more than college basketball, sans the Aztecs. And I had no idea Jalen McDaniel signed with the Raptors. And yeah. like, it seems like a great, it seems like a good deal for him. I think he, I think he got traded last year. Actually. I don't think it was like, he got tra- well, he got traded to the Sixers cause they knew he was going to be right. a free agent and yeah, he was kind right. of like that's a playoff right. piece for them. And um, he, yeah, he's getting, I mean, it, it's still preseason, but I, I and th- it's funny cause Carly and I were talking about this. Like, did they play with each other? And they mm-hmm. did when Malachi was retro. Right. Yep. So they would have played yep. together in practice that year. Malachi Flynn was on that practice team where he was, he was with Busting all the walk-ons and still beating the starters. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. A couple more questions to go through here. Um, these one are focused on the, the sophomores this year. They are no longer freshmen. So between Miles Bird and Elijah Saunders, for this season, which one do you think is going to have the bigger impact? 
I think it's going to be Elijah only because there's a need. It's just going to be harder for Miles to get major minutes. Love Miles. Yeah. I think Miles has a crazy upside. I think Miles is unlike any player that we've really had in Aztec history, in my opinion. Like he's just something that we've never kind of had. Like maybe Winston Shepard, like kind of in that in that mold. But Elijah's going to have to play. He's going to have to play. And Miles is not necessarily in that camp with just the guards and the wings going on. He will play, but Elijah is going to get major minutes this season. And that it just comes down to that. I mean, what do you think? I think, yeah. I mean, I think in my, somebody like a month or two ago asked what I thought the rotation would be. And I think I had Elijah at 20 minutes and Miles at like 12 or 16. So it was still, they were both still rotation guys, right? I think if you're getting 10 or more minutes a game, then you're a rotation guy. Um, so they were both, they were both still in the rotation, but yeah, there's the, the wing depth between Reese waters and Micah Parrish, And then miles bird is just, is just much better than I think, I think Elijah Saunders, a power forward. And, 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 you know, there's been so many clips where it looks like he's maybe practicing as a center too. And maybe that gets him even more minutes who knows. Um, but the power forward is, is to me, when I look at it, it's Jay Powell and it's Elijah Saunders. And so I, yeah definitely more of a need at at the power forward spot. I also remember thinking like Elijah Saunders coming in, his body was more ready and that's probably less of an issue now that they've had a year and miles bird seems to have bulked up a little bit and that's good. But uh, Elijah Saunders, it just like his body was more ready and he felt like he, when I would watch his games, he knew more what his strengths were, like what he should do and what he shouldn't do. Right. As opposed to Miles Bird, who would try to do everything because sometimes he can, but maybe not all the time. Um, So with that in mind, also, yeah, probably for this year, probably Saunders. I don't think it'll be a huge gap, but probably Saunders. Yeah. All right. So who do you think has the highest ceiling out of the two then? Just when it's all said and done three years from now. That's the other question. Right. And I think I kind of think Bird has the highest ceiling. It's similar to what I just said, right? Like Miles Bird can do it all sometimes, and it's just a matter of can he get to the point where he can do it all even more of the time, right? I liked I had never thought of the Winston Shepherd comp. I kind of like it though. Like if Winston Shepherd had a three point shot, because I think Miles Bird, I mean Miles Bird at least has an average three point shot. So like you give Winston Shepherd an average three point shot, that's so much more of a dangerous guy and and i kind of like that comp a little bit for miles bird so i think he has the higher ceiling in terms of in terms of his talent i think elijah saunders i've talked about this before on the show where i think elijah saunders i think that kind of stretch four role that saunders can play is super important to the aztecs having their best potential offensively and saunders can do that better than bird so maybe impact wise Saunders is better, like even for the career, but I think talent wise, I think bird has the higher ceiling for sure. I mean, I just, from his senior year in 21, 22 miles bird had 17 points, three assists, five rebounds, two steals, one block a game over one of something in every, every category. Like that's yeah. so unbelievably well-rounded. Like Elijah Saunders had an awesome high school career and he didn't average a full steal or a full block mm-hmm. in high school, but he did average 22 points and eight rebounds. But I just think, I think we're in for a real treat next year. Yeah. When I think Miles Bird is going to handle the ball quite a bit. And him and Elijah, who 
those guys. You got your podcast that you did on SDSU podcast. They Elijah talked about how his workout buddies, Miles Bird, and yep. you just know when they get a chance to have a high usage rate together that they're just ready to spam those pick and rolls too. And a lot of the same offensive principles that they can put into play with with Lamont and Jaden could be translatable to Miles and Elijah next year when Darian and Lamont are gone. Yep. Yeah. No, that is it's it's a really good one two one two set like a core set if you're building around those two guys it seems that you know assuming they reach their potential that could be a very dangerous team for sure i i think elijah will be pretty consistent this year for sure and he's obviously we talked about he's getting a lot of play minutes but there's gonna be a couple games where lightning is in a bottle for miles bird he comes off the bench and he gets like eight points in two minutes or like he gets a steal gets a dunk gets another steal throws an alley and where he just is like this lightning in a bottle where other games he may kind of fall off just depending on the flow of the game. Like mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see miles bird in a rock fight. Like he's definitely more of a flow. Like he likes steals getting out into transition, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe that's just me being prejudiced on his skinny body type when he was a freshman, but it's just like, he definitely wants, he definitely wants to, you know, get steals and get out in transition. And just like, he's very creative with the ball. Like you can just see when he did actually get minutes, just like, how good he is with the ball, how good of a feel he had for the game when he, when he was the primary ball handler. And I think we're just going to get some real lightning in the bottle moments um, next year with, with miles burn. Yeah. Yeah. No high, high ceiling for both of them for sure. I think bird just narrowly, narrowly edges it out. I I will say I have a, I have a, a source that was at practice today. And Ooh, Austin with the inside man. I literally, I literally just got this text 30 seconds ago. And this person had said, um, DT and Saunders were hurt. So they didn't, they didn't play, but, mm-hmm. but the best players were Ladie and Bird. So, and Bird had hit back-to-back threes in a mid-ranger in kind of a four possession span to where he, to where he got lightning in a bottle during kind of a scrimmage session. So, and- You've pointed out before, I don't remember what interview it was, but they asked Coach Dutch and Lamont Butler about like the young guys. And you pointed out the grin that Lamont Butler got on his face when they mentioned Miles Bird because like he's been seeing it in practice. So that's also encouraging. Yeah, no, a lot of, a lot of good stuff happening. So all encouraging though, basically what yep. we were talking about, this person who uh, sent me a little something, something from uh, what, what, you know, they got to, they got to see today is uh, it's a good sign. We're on the we're on yeah. the right page, Tron. That's that's what I'm getting at here. We're on the we're on the right page. We're on, you know, we're on we the right kind track. of sort of halfway know what we're talking about, which is yeah, you know, as good as anybody can ask for. I think you know, for as much Aztec basketball as we watch, like it's good we can put a little bit of it together, right? A little bit, a little bit. All right. What else? What else that's, you got? Is that the last question? Any anything else well, on your mind? Those were the ones that I got. I don't know if you got any sent to you personally or anything, but those were the ones that I, no, I, I didn't. So I think, you know, the only thing that I keep hearing that I'm a little worried about is just, you know, there seems to be a lot of nicks and bruises early in the season and just hope we can kind of get through that. Like, I don't want, it seems like we've had pretty good injury luck the last handful of years. I would hate for this year to be the pet, you know, pay the, pay the piper on that one. But yeah, you know, I think we'll, our guys will be ready to go. Surge is a great, Sergio's a great uh, trainer and we'll have the guys ready, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on for sure. Keep those ankles taped up. I had a, I had a buddy who played basketball at the D two level 
and he told us a story one time about like how guys were practicing and somebody rolled their ankle and then the coach found out after the fact that nobody had been taping their ankles for practices and lit into them. And I don't remember like if he just made them run 17s for a long time or what the deal was, but like the coach was not happy about it. He was like, you have to tape your ankles. If you don't tape your ankles, you're not playing. I don't care. And I, I, when I was hearing the story, I thought it was hilarious, but I was also like, shoot, if I was the coach, I'd probably be pretty similar. Like just those little things can do so much. So yeah, hopefully everybody can heal up. But I'm ready for it. What are we? 25 days away? 25 days like away. That. I should have oh. a day counter. I don't, but it's all good. November, okay. November 6th. I think that does it for this one. Aztec Nation. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll catch you next time. Go Aztecs. On the floor, it's Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it up. Seconds forces the shot. It's good. The Aztecs advance. They won it on the shot by the player of the year. Watch Miller. Out. He put it behind his back. It's taken away by Butler. Love it up. Oh. it down. Big finish. Keyshawn Johnson. Now we have tasted it. We're coming back. We're coming back. <laughs>